we began the Gemara which said that wherever you find Hashem's greatness, that's where you'll find His humility. That led to a difficulty. Surely the greatness of Hashem, meaning His majesty, His, his, his awe, would be inherently contradictory to humility, which seems to be a loneliness, a uh, submission. How come would it be that wherever one is located, you'll find the other? Generally, things which are mutually exclusive do not dwell in the same place, but exclude one another. Kasha. In order to fully explore this, we decided to wait a day or two to let the question sink in, or at least a day, and then to advocate an answer, submit an answer. And the answer is based on something, a theme that we've discussed repeatedly and now takes on a, a new dimension in relation to humility. And that is the, the point of where is, where is oneself located. If you want to distill who you are in the deepest possible way, how would you understand and experience that self? And the way that we've explored it previously, but it will bear relevance over here as well, is that the sense of self cannot be captured by any of the four dimensions of a person's persona. Those four dimensions are Possessions. Sorry. Sorry, it doesn't help, nothing, see? No. No. <coughs> Hi. Hi, Jay. Come inside. <coughs> Come inside, make some help. <laughs> you don't have to justify yourself, nothing, do you? Don't worry, I trust you. I know that you left for a reason. As opposed to other people, when they're late, I know may necessarily not be for a good reason. So, the, the way a person's personality thread over his being is through four different links. The most, the most, the lowest part of the definition of self exists in the way when, when we define ourselves based on our physical possessions. So a person will link himself to, 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 to things, his material stuff. He'll link himself to the car he drives, to the clothes he wears, to the house he lives in, to the watch that adorns his wrist, etc., etc., etc. Some people express themselves more uh, overtly through their, through their clothing, through their T-shirts through other items of clothing, through their hats, through other items of clothing. Um, then, a person, then a person, let's say, when he goes one step above that, he'll express himself, he'll identify himself with his, his body, his physical features, his, his, his hairline, or lack thereof, um, his, <coughs> his, his uh, facial features, and his... Um, Biceps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 um, each one according to his own personal preference. Growing up, a person may identify himself with his personality, with his with his humor, with his kindness, with his who he is, his his, his emotions, his traits. A level above that would be a person that. 
connects to the intellectual realm, his capacity to evaluate and understand the knowledge that is accumulated. And those are really kind of the four places where a person's personality is spread out over. Now, obviously, people concentrate their personality, their identity, in different elements of those. There are some people that find most of their personality expressed through their possessions. And a removal of a possession is like cutting off a limb. Often you'll find people who become so heavily rested in their possessions that if they suffer a very heavy loss, they actually feel like their life has been lost and there are even rare occasions when they'll commit suicide. Meaning not that they commit suicide as a response to their possessions being lost, but more as a declaration of what's happened to them. When they lost their possessions, that was the end of their life. Because that's where they, exi- that's where they invested most of their personality, most of their identity. Some others um, invest their personality in their, in, in their bodies, others yet in their emotions, their personality, how they are as people. There are people that, however, live in the intellectual realm and that's where they see themselves most clearly defined. What our respect for possession is, any association of identity with one of those levels is spiritually harmful. Even if it's on the highest possible level where a person describes and identifies with his intellectual realm, even that would be spiritually harmful and even that would fall under what's called the trait of ga'ava, of arrogance. Because the way the the svarim define ga'ava, arrogance, is through using a strange wordage. They don't say ga'ava is arrogance. They say it is the trait which embodies physicality. The notion of physicality means a world where the borderlines are properly defined. What makes something physical is that it has a outline that delineates its being from other beings. Essentially what we would call in developing our theme, space. Space, space is, the, is the dimension that physical bodies occupy and the body is defined by its existence within that space based on the notion that the parameters come to an end at a certain point in time. If there'd be no, if there'd be no space, there'd be no possible limit. Ta- yes, Dave. So Yaakov said about your face and he said he's a good-looking guy. What, is that another blessing that was more like a Musa? In his brocha, yeah. um, okay, we'll get on to that. So, w- w- what role and in what way do the physical parts of a person take relevance? Yes, yes. Well, I would see even more so it's even defined to what we can't see. Because especially like with cell phone, r- like right now we're surrounded by cell phone waves and microwaves and whatnot. And even 50 years ago, people would say, oh, ridiculous. But nowadays, like... I can open up my cell phone now, make a phone call, call the other side of the world now. So even, especially now, I think even people can identify with what's unseen. I mean, people go around, now in a lot of American cities, they have Wi-Fi for the <coughs> entire city. So I, I can go anywhere around, Where? like New York City, uh, Baltimore City, More internet. a few other cities. But like, I can go around with my computer and access the internet anywhere I go. I don't have to be have a physical thing connecting my computer. I can have a something that is in the unseen realm of radio spectrums. So I even think now people could identify with, people can take the leap to identify with something that's not even there. More so than they could. Great. Great. Okay, so good, 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 good. good. from a source, though. 
One second. So let's. Okay. So let's let's. Good. Good. Yes. Good. 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 Not bad. Good. 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 Not bad. Okay. It's one. No. Good. So. What we're saying is as follows: that it's spiritually harmful to define your persona by the things you are. Why so? So the example that we've given many times before, Michael, is the tree. See a tree outside, a believing man, looks at the tree and he says, Oh, master of the universe, how wondrous are your creations. If you would be speaking in prose, biblical style. He'd look at the tree and say, oh, it's amazing, you've both them, you've made a beautiful tree. When I wake up in the morning and I see the mist lightly covering the valley that I have a view of from my, from my balcony, so I'm inspired by the, the, the mastery of Hashem's creativity in the subtle blend of pastel orange and blue as it raises up to this startling blue sky. I'm, 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 I'm awestruck by it. I think it's magnificent. So I Hashem, your creation is wonderful. Um, there's a distinct difference between doing that and going over to the scene or the tree, let's say, and prostrating yourself in front of it and saying, you are God. There's a distinction between saying, this is something that God go- does, to saying, this is God. The difference is, when you say this is something that God does, you don't limit and define the Creator as being bound by the physical parameters of the given object. When you say God does this, you say that He's using this. He's far beyond this, but He's using this for a means. The four levels of your persona are tools of expression of a higher self. You are not your thoughts and ideas and your cleverness. Your thoughts and ideas are mechanisms that you can use to understand the mysteries of creation to engineer ways of helping and assisting people to use it to understand the psyche of another in order to benefit them so your mind is a vessel it's an instrument your emotions are an instrument of connection are an instrument of excitement of incentive your body can be assisted in helping people in doing a variety of and your possessions as well can be vehicles of expression. The minute you say, I am, even if you don't say the words, but the minute you feel, those things are me, the minute you look in the mirror and you get a sense of, oh wow, this is this is geschmack. Oh, geschmack of face. So then you possibly have crossed over the border from an understanding of self as a vessel, as a means to an end, and the concretization of self by saying, no, this is an end. If a person relates to himself, I am clever, so then you've taken the vessel and you've made it the persona. A vessel only has value in as much as you can use it. If I would go over to Jeremy Lerner and give him an easel with paints and say, yeah, Jeremy, this is a present from me to you, he'd say, but no thanks. Even though it cost a thousand dollar, he wouldn't want it. Why? Because he doesn't paint. That's a paint. It's worthless to him. And has no and you, the one of the conditions of giving it is that you cannot resell it. Yeah. It would just clutter up your room. Same easel, same paint I give him to Alex. He's he's in seventh heaven. Why? Because for him it's useful to have that. For you it's not. 
But you can't pride yourself on that. I'm a guy that has an easel. It's absurd. <laughs> because this is a vessel for. When a person prides himself on his cleverness, on his good looks, on his physical prowess, on his follically uncluttered skull. <laughs> so that person is taking something which is a means to an end and trying to put it onto pedestal and that means he has not yet distilled his essential identity. The distillation, distillation of essential identity is to transcend beyond the vessels, the means to an end and find the real Gavin self. The self is a person that uses those things. So now we go to um, Lewis's Marshall of the Internet. We are now accustomed, we are now accustomed, we are now accustomed to the idea that the way you register energy, radio waves, is by the way they will be able to respond to your Google search question. So even though you can't see them, but you know they're there from what they do. We don't, we can't measure, we can't feel, we can't touch Anushama. It's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Because our essential self is our spiritual transcendent self, and that's the self that lights up the mind, the emotions, the body, the possessions. Those things, when they are functioning in alignment with the soul, become the lights which sparkle as the soul comes into being. But they're not the soul. When your computer picks up the Wi-Fi, it's not the Wi-Fi, it's picking up the Wi-Fi, it's responding to something else that's in the environment, in the atmosphere. When you respond to your neshama, when you move, your neshama is moving you. Not that your body has a soul, but that your soul has a body. Now, what that means is as follows. The minute you see that as yourself, so your entire structure dissolves because you can't locate yourself not in your brain, not in your emotions, not in your body, not in your possessions. So where are you? You know where. That's the point of humility. The dissolving self is the point of humility where you are nothing. And at the point yourself dissolves into nothingness, that's when it takes on the ultimate greatness. Because since it transcends everything you are, it becomes the smallest and biggest thing simultaneously. Because only something which is totally without boundaries is big. Ultimately, something which is confined by limitations has an element of smallness to it. It stops at a certain point. Whereas when you relate to yourself as something which is beyond, 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 it's absolute simplicity, it's absolute completion which doesn't have the cluttering up of complexity. So then, at that point in time, you become the greatest and smallest person. And that is a pshat in the Gemara that says, wherever you find Hashem's greatness, that's where you'll find His humility. Because the ultimate greatness is humility. Because greatness means the transcendence, much more than it means the limitation. Jeremy. But, um, in, like, for ourselves, we're, we're here to do mitzvahs, and we... Like to, to earn our world to come, but it's it's con our world to come is is confined to our ability to do mitzvahs here, and we're it's it's limited by that. It's however much we do here is is what's there. I mean, the, and that's like that's the soul, that's the essence, that's everything, and that's still very small by your definition. Something is small. Doesn't it go more back to like the the string with the freedom that? 
when a string like is free, like it's just on the table, nothing. But when you tighten the string, you can play music with it. So the the mitzvahs are more the constringency to make the music, which could be unlimited. Um. So, so Jeremy, uh, just before we go into what you're saying, Lewis, Jeremy, let's expound a little bit about what you said in terms of that we had to, we had to get Olam Haba. Um, let's go back to what the Ramchal points out, both in the beginning of Mesilis Hashem and in the beginning of Derech Hashem, and he says that the goal isn't really Olam Haba. Olam Haba is the place. The goal is connection to Hashem. Tveikus. Tveikus ultimately means that you reach a point where your sense of self becomes so um, closely attached to the Creator that the the seam between you and Him is so subtle that it's almost you subsumed into the light of the Creator Himself. But it's still limited by. Um, In other words, the point, the point, the point of Olam Haba is to transcend any sense of limitation, which is to connect to Hashem. No limitation. No limitation. Ultimately, Olam Haba means you're trying <coughs> to connect to the source of reality, which is not bound by limitations. But I mean, every mitzvah you do, you connect a little bit more, but that's still... The, these, these are numbers or Hashem, percentages. Or like, we are somewhat limited. I mean, you can't be Hashem, but it's almost like you can. But like, intrinsically in the system, I agree with Jeremy, that we, in fact, we learn this out from like Pesach as one of the key lessons that in fact our freedom is contained within our own limitations that halacha that mitzvahs limit us and that's how we achieve freedom <coughs> and greatness which seems to and yesterday you said that that we achieve uh, that good that greatness is achieved from like a lack of uh, limitation mm-hmm. but that ironically mm-hmm. um yeah you said that a boundary implies limita- uh, limitation the less boundary the greater a person is Yet, ironically, we believe as Jews in having boundaries, in creating that. So, that not that counterintuitive? Okay, one second. This is a whole... But the boundaries lead us to infinity. It's the whole thing. It's that the boundaries are so we can connect to the infinite. Because if you and yourself are free and open, then there's no goal. There's no connecting to anything because you're open to everything. But when you set yourself a goal and constrain yourself to what is the goal connecting to Hashem, and because Hashem is infinite, He says, this is how I want you, this is the way to connect to me. This is the way in which you can purify your body, mind, soul, everything to connect to me. So you need to constrain yourself to connect to the infinite. It seems counterintuitive, it is counterintuitive. but in the same way, in order, if you, if you want to become the greatest, vi- if you want to become the greatest violin player, and be able to play any piece, whatever, you have to constrain yourself, okay, I need to learn how to play the violin. Lewis, granted, but, but what we're learning out here is that greatness is achieved by, um, by removing all boundaries. By constraining yourself. You have to constrain yourself master. to get to any uh, in boundaries. And you can't, you can't achieve anything by, being, by having no boundaries currently. No, but you still have the free choice. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but no, you don't get to a level. Can we bring it back to the rabbi? You don't get to a level with the violin player that like another hour of practice wouldn't make you better. It's always going to be another hour of practice. You'd be however much better. So, you, so what? That's the constraint to make yourself that you can play any piece possible. To be but you never get out of the constraint. That's You're never out of exactly. constraint. 
Um, it's quite interesting actually what's going on over here. Um, we're dealing with a very, a very ethereal topic, which is very hard to like pinpoint and put your finger on it. Because we're trying to, trying to get closer to Jeremy to, to, to the real sense of self, which seems to be totally transcendent. But the problem is, if it's totally transcendent and it has no boundary or, or definition, so then it seems inherently contradictory to our mode of behavior. Our mode of behavior seems to be severely limited by do this, don't do that, do this in this way, don't do it in another way. You know, if if you if you kind of um, if you if you if you miss a step, halacha by a millimeter, so then you miss it completely. One small blemish in your tzitzis, sefer Torah esrog render it unfit. And even though it's ninety nine percent the same thing, it's absolutely useless from a halachic standpoint. So if it's so true that this whole notion of 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 greatness is this transcendence of boundaries, so why are we so hit up and finicky about the details? Good. Yes. That's kind of been the, the the theme of the discussion. So to just maybe explore it a little bit further before <coughs> we refer back to to Lewis. Um So yes, yes, yes. But but but. Um, um, like this, like this. What we're trying to do, and this is exactly the point, and this, and it is a tricky point. We're trying to differentiate between between the energy. The, the, the ethereal force and the way that that force manifests. Now, the force manifests in a very specific and limited fashion. And sometimes the specificity, the refinement, the focus is crucial for the correct expression of the force. So, for example, just to bring it down to a mundane example, if I want to express my connection to another, my love for another person, it becomes an extremely precise art. Because if I'd like to make Alex the ultimate cup of tea, it means getting the water temperature right, and the amount of sugar, and the strength of the amount of time that the tea bag has to be in the tea in order to create the right flavor, um, the correct ratio of tea to milk, stirring the glass around and then placing it in front of him at the correct time, at the correct distance. There's an a, the precision. But Dafka, through the precision, do I express the love in the most, most accurate fashion? So even though the transcendent notion, which is this principle of goodness, has no boundary and is all-encompassing, but when it comes into the physical world, it takes on a shape. It takes on a form, which is extremely precise. In the notion of the creation of the world, this is referred to as contraction, symptom. It's, 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 it's one of the mo- most complex and difficult things to understand because how can you bound Hashem into, how can you put him into a, a framework? He's beyond, beyond, beyond. Same problem is with ourselves. How can we be bound into a framework? In fact, the Ramah says that the bracha that you recite after going to the bathroom is an expression of this quandary. The bracha concludes, Hashem, chol basar, heals all flesh. One would think it should stop there. Then the two words, umafli la'asot, are added on at the end. What do those two words mean? So the base Yosef understands them to mean that not only does Hashem cure the flesh and that the entire human body is almost unfathomable in its brilliance. Every cell is so extremely well designed. But... You say he kills, he heals, and that's a mag- magical work. It's mafli lasso. It's incredible. It's wonderful. The Ramah argues, and he says that's not the point of the wonder. 
the point of the wonder comes from the fusion of a spiritual soul into a physical body. That's wondrous. Meaning, that's, that's, that's beyond belief. How can you do that? How can you contain the uncontainable? That's our struggle, to find the essence of self which is uncontainable, yet contained. Yet contained. And that's what you're expressing in terms of, but one second, how can it be so transcendent, yet so limited? That, that's, that's the fundamental question that all the Swarim deal with in how can you have Hashem and have a world? If you have Hashem, there's no world. If there's a world, there's no Hashem. And that's what Simpson comes to answer up. So that's, again, that's, that's one of the hardest things to do. But we can experience it. Because the truth is, when we do something and we follow it step by step, in a precise fashion. For example, the example I gave of making Alex his wondrous cup of tea. So when I give him that tea, the experience of that connection transcends the tea and the cup therein. Or the cup and the tea therein. You following? You following? No one's following. Some people are following. It's not about the tea. It's not about the tea. I think, I think that's a good way of summing it up. It's just not about the tea. The truth is, <laughs> the truth is Alex doesn't even drink tea. He's American. And according to Americans, tea is drunk cold without milk. And when you fact, when you show American, even the 30% of Americans who drink hot tea, they're very unfamiliar with the notion that milk goes in tea. Certain teas, not all teas. Black tea. Yeah, Americans, Americans are fond of black tea. And when you show them that tea, milk and tea go together, they're, they're astounded. They're astounded. They get almost a surprise when you tell them, like other news to them, like Africa. That's a big one for them. There's a world what about America. America. Yeah. That I don't no, they exist. They kind of exist. It's a, it's a city in South America. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, that's where all the drugs come from. <laughs> or that Africa has more no, than like a couple hundred thousand people. Cheering on, um, yeah. you know, explaining what the, the physical is, non-physical, all these things, things and we've been, <laughs> we haven't gotten to that, the expression of the, the spiritual encompassing, all of that, and the expression of that, so... What we said is we began the show by saying that there's seemingly a contradiction between wherever you find Hashem's greatness, that's where His humility rests. We've resolved that quandary by saying that the ultimate greatness is humility. Because greatness is humility. Because humility... Now you said where, where you ever see Hashem's greatness, His humility rests? Because the ultimate greatness is humility. You cannot separate humility from greatness because as big as size is, it's still limited. Whereas a person's lowly self transcends any boundaries or delineation and definition. And therefore, he's simultaneously the biggest and smallest thing in the world. In other words, when I say to you and I look up to you, because I say, you need this, I contain you and I honor you in that way, it's because I feel there's nothing about me that's honorable, because everything that's about me that I can experience and express is limited. The only thing about me that's es- essential is the part that doesn't exist anywhere that I can put, a, put, put my finger on. So that, that part of me, that part of me, is the smallest thing in the world. But ironically, it's also the biggest thing in the world because it defies definition and rotation. Gentlemen, it has to be thought about is further. That, is it like standing up for someone, like when someone important like walks in because you're doing something physical and right. that somehow is an expression of of your honor to them. The greatest power comes from What needs to be still resolved, there are few, many, sorry, yeah, there are many, many open ends here. What still needs to be resolved is how does that 
factor into my relationship of looking up to other people surely if I see their selves also as unlimited so then they're also nothing so there seems to be a double contradiction is that as much as Anova is the smallest and biggest place to be but it, it's pre predicated on the fact that when I look at you I don't look at you the same way as I look at myself when I look at you I take your physical being as being 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 what I connect to. When I look at myself, it's my spiritual self. I don't know if this is what Rebishar Salanta said, that your spirituality is your friend's physicality. That for you the ultimate spiritual act is to give your friend the ultimate physical indulgence. Hmm. When you give your friend that juicy wriggle, so you're doing the highest thing you could possibly do, even though for him, depending on how juicy the wriggle is, could be a low thing. So I guess it's feeding while